So what are you going to tell us, tough guys? My usual. Zero. Nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. This is the Pop Culture Podcast. I'm here in a zebra shirt. I always try and bring my best attire for you. Even if you're just listening, I want you to know that I'm well-dressed. I want you to know that today I'm, I'm well-dressed in a shirt that my wife promised me she would never buy. And then Christmas Day came around and there it was. And I thought, babe, you are a mystery woman. You're a woman I don't understand, but I respect and I thank you for that. I know you don't approve of my fashion choices. She's never been a fan of what I wear. She thinks I've improved, but outlandish outfits like this is, uh, it's too much, she says. She says, uh, anytime I put it on, she goes, what are you trying to prove? And now I can say, well, the truth is you bought it for me. And so I'm not sure how you can, how you can try and switch it up on me like that. We went to a little, uh, it was like a surf shop here in Ocean Grove. And I was on the hunt. It was the 23rd or so of December. And I knew she hadn't got me a Christmas gift because Christmas is about what I get for her, usually not about what I get because I genuinely don't usually care. But I went out to the sale rack just to see, and the sale rack's not a sale rack. They're absurdly priced clothes, which I think they try and give you a false, false sense of you needing to buy it by, by saying it's been discounted, which it hasn't, because they just write ridiculous prices on it. I mean, I've worked in retail is what I'm trying to say. And my boss has said, just write the price and then put a new tag on there that says it's cheaper than that. And for some reason, we still fall for it. There's a shop in Gippsland. It's called House. It's got pots and pans and knives and cutlery and um, just other random items you'd find around your house. And every time I go past, I'm not kidding, every single time I go past the store, it has massive signs all around it in like hot pink, bright yellow, saying up to 70% off everything in this store. But I've seen that store there for 10 years and they've never not had a sale. And, and so I went to buy a cheese board for my wife just before Christmas because we don't get each other good gifts anymore. It's not really what we do. We try our best to... Um, like we, we show that we've thought of each other, but because our money's combined and we've got different priorities with what we want to buy, the idea of going out and buying an outlandish gift is it's actually just disrespectful to each other. Because if I bought her a $500 gift, it means that's $500 we don't get to spend on our holiday. And I genuinely would be angry. I think, I think honestly, she'd be slightly appreciative, even if it was combined money, if I spent $500 on her. But I went in there a couple of days before Christmas as well, and it said up to 50% off. And I thought, well, hang on. Why have they reduced the quality of the sale before Christmas? That, that's really frustrating. But people who have been passing by that store for the first time, they wouldn't know that. They would see an up to 50% off sign and go, wow, what a wonderful option. Let's save some money by going in here. But they'd actually, they'd actually ripped me off 20%, which I was upset about. But I got her a cheese board. I think it was $31, which, again, we've been married for 11 years, 12 years this year. $31, I mean, it's not ideal. I started out too strong, I think, in, in the relationship world. I think the first date I ever took Jesse on was the best one. And, and people warned me. They said, Tice, don't do this for your first date because then you set the standard so high. It's going to be, it's going to be near impossible for you to, to match this. And I remember saying, look, I know, I know you're trying to give me your opinion. I just, I don't care. I don't care. My emotions have taken over. I'm going to, 
I'm going to do the most outlandish first date of all time. And, and so I did. So we, because it was a hard story of how I got to go out with Jessie. She rejected me the first time. I think I've told you guys this before, which made no sense to me because I met her at a church and there was four other girls that liked me at that church. I said, hey, look, honestly, hot, it's a hot market, Jess. Properties don't just last forever. Do you know what I mean? You can't just be mucking around and, and pretending that you need something more high quality than this. Like if a Ferrari walks into your church, don't go waiting for a Bugatti. You've got to take the best option. I don't know a lot about cars. I'm not sure why I chose a car analogy there, but it made sense. I'm disappointed that I've called myself a Ferrari instead of a Bugatti because essentially you want to be the kind of person in 2022 who, who refers to themselves as a Bugatti. But eventually she changed her mind after a lot of convincing, after a couple of awkward conversations. And, but well, the most awkward conversation was when I asked her out and she said that I'm not what she was looking for in a man. And I said, well, that's very direct. It's part of the attraction to her, to be honest. I used to be attracted to the idea that she was, she was very hard to impress and she, she gives off a resting bitch face vibe. They're not my words. Well, they are my words. I totally agree with it. But that's a, something that she's identified in herself. I never met someone with a face like Jessie's in that sense. Very, very pretty. But I remember one night we were sitting at Crown Casino just having a little meal. We were having some rice. We were in the Chinatown section of, uh, I'm not sure it's a China. I think we were just sitting outside the, the Chinese restaurant. Can't just refer to the whole cafe as a Chinatown part just because there's a couple of Asians there serving up some nice fried rice. But the experience was genuine. We were sitting there and a lady walked past and she came up to Jessie. No joke. And she goes, is everything all right? And Jessie's like, um, <laughs> like legitimately shocked. She wasn't sure what was going on. She's like, I, th I think so. She goes, you got to learn to control the way you look at people because that was a that was a really wrong vibe. Jessie goes, wait, was I? Are you talking to me? I'm so confused. I'm trying to eat fried rice. The lady goes, yeah, you just you were scowling at me. Jessie goes, I don't I don't think I was. I go, but, oh, well, honestly, I don't want to pick sides, but in this situation, I'm on the other lady's side because I've been on the receiving end of that scowl and. It is intimidating, babe, so maybe clean up your attitude and apologize to the lady now before her husband fights me. Because you don't want to get in a fight with some lady's husband to protect your lady. If I was a, if I was a, a martial arts champion, maybe I'd be a little more willing to fight. But the truth is, you know, unless Dan Wilson's there, the big alpha of the group, there's, I'm not going to pick a fight. Do you know what I mean? Because he's got that look about him. This is my mate. He's got a look about him that suggests, you know, you probably wouldn't want to fight my group whereas I'm that I'm the head in the group that said no we could take those look at look at the guy in the zebra shirt we could fight him and I would try and smile my way out of it and wiggle my way out of it and before I know it, I'm in an arm lock he's got me in a choker hold between his his hamstring and his calf muscle and I had no idea of how I got there and so Jessie has to be careful with that for you know if she's not going to take care of her own health she needs to take care of that of her family now especially because we've got two kids now you can't be you know, doing a scowl to a lady whose husband might get me in that leg lock in front of my own children. Because my, my two-year-old boy's old enough to understand it now. If he saw me getting a leg lock, he'd be, he'd, he'd recognise that. He'd go, you know, Dad's a pussy. And that's why I always want to solve arguments with a 1,500-metre race with most people. Because you can size someone up pretty quickly, and I know I'm a better runner than a lot of people. So if I see someone and they're carrying some man boobs, I mean, that rules out the fact that they're going to be able to beat me, unless I roll an ankle or something in a 1500 but man boobs are i mean they could just be an extra weapon from what i understand with martial arts yeah it's, it's interesting 
It was very interesting. It was something that I found very attractive. It, something about just girls in general. Any any woman who gives you nothing, there's something about that. I'm not sure what it is, but it drives you crazy in a way. I remember Jesse gave me absolutely nothing, and I thought, well, this is not helpful because this makes me want her more than ever. So I asked her out, and she said, definitely not. And I said, well, that's done the opposite in me than, than what you would want it to. Now that's made me want you even more. It worked out in the end, obviously, because, um, you know, the Popplestone charm can only be resisted for, for, for a certain... It's not true. There's not many options where we were in Ballarat. It's a small country town, and I'm not even saying I'm the best in Ballarat. I would be, I would be top 10 for sure. In terms of... Well, who are we kidding? In terms of looks and in terms of charisma, like, top 10 would... And I feel like that's underestimating my ability in Ballarat. I'm being a dickhead, obviously. That was one thing my wife said to me a while ago. She goes, because uh, I used to come home and say, hey, in the comedy world, I'm, I'm recognised as the handsome comedian. She goes, well, who said that, first of all? You can't just come home and, and tell me that the general population of Melbourne comedy refers to you as the handsome. It's something that one or two people have said to you and you've let it go to your head and now you're claiming that title over yourself. And I said, well, you don't need to break down everything so specifically, babe. Just let a man generalize. Let a man believe this stuff. I was a distance runner till I was 24. My ribs were a prominent part of my physique. It was never attractive to a woman. So the fact I have a little bit of meat on my body at the moment and one person said it was attractive, let me, let a man dream, let a man imagine. And she goes, and to be honest, being a good-looking man in the comedy scene is not even a big deal because most of them are drug addicts. I said, well, you've got me there a little bit. I guess when you, when you stand a man with teeth next to a lot of men who don't have teeth, the man with teeth starts to look like a pretty good option, unless his jawline's completely out of whack. But I would be upset if I stood next to a man with no teeth and you said he was more handsome than me. But eyes, I mean, eyes are something that are really attractive to some people. So maybe a man with no teeth but bright blue eyes is, uh, you know, I don't know what women are into these days. I've been out of the game for too long. I was speaking to my friend the other day and he was down here in Ocean Grove, which is a 10-minute drive from me. He's single, 35 years old, good-looking man. And he was telling me he went to the gym and there was a, a really attractive girl there that was, that was working out. She worked at the gym and he was signing up just for the week and he said they had really good chemistry. And so he said he just put it out there and said, how about we go for a walk? And I said, well, just slow down a little bit there because that, that seems to be a level of confidence that a lot of people in my life don't necessarily have. This guy does also, he wears funky trunks, which are essentially speedos with a little bit more color. We went to the beach a couple of years ago, I remember this, and, and the fact that he just had the Speedos on to me was quite offensive. He, he took his shorts off and he walked around like it was no problem that he had these funky trunks on. And I said, well, that's a disgrace that a man can be that revealing. It's essentially the fairy floss, tooth floss is what I'm saying. It's essentially the tooth floss bathing suit for men. You can't get any more revealing than that, unless you just completely derobe yourself, which is inappropriate for Manly Beach. But he was in these funky trunks, and I thought, oh my gosh, like I've got to be seen with this guy for the next couple of hours now. And in those funky trunks, he walked up to two, two girls, very pretty girls, and, and he spoke to one in particular and said, hey, I, I don't know what he said, to be honest, but I assume it was something about being beautiful. Would you like to get a coffee? And she said no, and he walked back with more confidence than he walked over to them with. And I said, well, that's not the, that's not the game I used to play with. I used to get my friends. Do you remember that year seven thing that you do where you get a friend to go and ask a woman out for you? That was my approach to to most of the girlfriends I ever had. 
I didn't have a lot, to be fair. Maybe it was the technique. Maybe if, if you're a young man out there and, and you're single, maybe what you need to do is put yourself in some situations of discomfort. Because I reckon Powley, his name is. There you go. I've, I've thrown him under the bus, at Matty Powell on Instagram. <laughs> he's, uh, he's the guy I'm talking about. He loves his funky trunks. And if you go to his page to look at it, he'd be, uh, he'd be very grateful, especially if you're a pretty young woman who likes the sound of the man that I've described. But... Uh, there's something to be said there. I think I think too often men these days are pussies, from what I can tell. I think every conversation seems to start on Instagram, which, like I, that's a big call for me because the initial move that I made on my wife was a dropped off teddy bear to her doorstep, and that was in 2007, I think, and that was before Instagram was a thing. But it was essentially the same thing as what Instagram is now. It's just a gift to say, look, I don't want to do this face to face, but like. Here we go. This is this is how I feel. I think Instagram's the the door drop of two thousand and seven. I reckon there's something to be said, guys. I like the idea of putting yourself in uncomfortable situations. Sometimes I'm not talking about letting your wife peg you. I'm not saying that that's an appropriate option, and I'm not judging you if you're into that. I'm just saying be careful because I don't know the anatomy of that region very well, and it could, especially if it's not lubed up, well, it could leave you in a very you know, you're already in a vulnerable position, let's be honest. I'm not even sure how you get to a comfortable place in a relationship to open up to your wife about that being something you're interested in. How do you have a conversation with your wife about your curiosity in getting pegged? Like, what an embarrassing term that is. I only found out about it a few months ago at comedy. I was in one room, and there was a comedian talking about getting pegged by his wife. And I said, well, it doesn't... I honestly just assumed that they meant pegs from the clothesline stuck on his nipples or something like that. And for me, that was too much. But when I got up and, and asked the question about what it was, there was more than enough young men in the audience who knew and were open about the fact that they knew what it was. And, and that disappointed me a little bit because I think a generation of men who are comfortable getting pegged aren't the kind of men that you want to go to war, is it? Well, let's be honest. If you think of the front line of, a, of the next big war and you think of 35,000 Australian men and 22,000 of them get pegged on a Tuesday night just for something different, they're not the kind of men you want fighting for you, I don't think. I mean, unless they take that approach to, to warfare into that fight. I've just, I hope the, uh, I've just lost my soundproof board. So I was just, it, it was leaning on a suitcase and the suitcase has just rolled away. So I'm not sure it was making a difference to the quality of the audio. But don't you think... If I was fighting a man and secret intelligence had told me that this man gets pegged on a regular basis, I'd go, well, I can beat this man in a fight. Unless he started trying to peg me, I reckon that would be enough for me, because that's not even pegging anymore, is it? That would... That crosses a boundary, unless he's got my consent in that, which he wouldn't get. I would never give consent to that. I mean, you should never say never, should you? But I reckon chances are very... It would have to be a very strange situation to even consider saying yes to that. I, I personally can't think of a situation where the appropriate response to the question, are you willing to get pegged by me, would be yes. I'm trying to think of the situation that that would be, but it's, it's not coming to mind. And so I think... I, I think wherever you are, if you're under the age of 18 and you're... 
your comfort level of approaching someone that you like is just going to them on Instagram and putting out the Take the next step. You don't have to get in a pair of funky trunks, but next time you're at school, next time you're at uni, go up, say, hey, how you going? You're going to feel awkward. That's what I love about stand-up because when you get up on stage for the first time, you feel ridiculous. In fact, more than just the first time, when you get up on stage on a regular basis and you tell your jokes, there's many of those nights where you make a fool of yourself and it's part of the fun, really. But you develop a bit of a thick skin for it over time. And I think that's what my mate Powley's developed. Granted, still single, okay? I'm not sure what your goal is. Maybe it is the wrong approach. But you've got to admire the courage that comes with that. He's not the kind of bloke who's just going to get bent over and pegged. That's not what we're looking for. That's why he's my mate. None of my mates apart from three would get pegged, I don't think. Maybe four. And the fourth one, I'm questioning, you know, the situation that he would say, yeah, you'd have to buy him a coffee or something. For He loves coffee, to be honest. So maybe just get him a coffee near Leccia, which is not really a high standard for, for such a low act, I think. It's very weird how progressive we get. Like, I, I don't remember a time where I was a kid and the conversation that a man could so openly speak about getting pegged by his wife and not be judged by his, uh, his fellow mates was acceptable. So I'm, I'm trying to bring the old school man back. The more I hear stories like that, the, the more into woodwork I get the more I just want to go down to Bunnings and buy a hammer and lean into what the stereotype of a man should be. I want to go hunting. When I, when I hear that story, I just want to go buy a rifle and a bow and arrow and go hunting. Not Broke Mac Mountain style hunting. I'm just talking about a good old hunt. Just out there, just getting the meat for the, uh, getting the, meat for the family. And I've been inspired because my brother-in-law's over from the United States at the moment. He went out fishing on a boat. I didn't go because I get seasick. Not because you're not a bitch if you get seasick. That's what I've always said. You just got, you just got a queasy belly. That's what my mum always said. So, you know, to quote your mum when you're speaking about seasickness, it's a, it's a cool thing. It's like, um, what's that, what's that scene on Happy Billy Madison, where like the the kid wheezes pants, and everyone was teasing him, and he comes out and says, "No, you're not cool unless you pee your pants." And then thirty five kids on the bus all pee their pants. I think that's what I've just done there. But sometimes you've got to go to those levels to to justify what it is that you're saying. But the fact that you justify it so hard suggests that you probably should be judged for it. But anyway, I'm leaning into that. I'm leading to that real man element, and that's why I went and bought six chickens the other day. Because what does a real man do? He goes and buys six chickens. I told I told a chick at comedy that the other night. She's like, "What have you been up to?" I go, hey, "Honestly, I'm in a good little routine." I feel like my answer to that question is always the same. I'm in a good routine. I love what I do each day. I get up. I exercise. I hang out with my kids. I try and eat good food. I watch some YouTube videos, I work on my running stuff, I work on my comedy, and then, perfect. And lately I've started working on my garden, which is a worrying sign, I think, because that's something you only hear a man in his mid-30s say. That, like, yes, there's not many 22-year-olds who have developed an interest in their garden, but I have, and as a result, I went out. I'm looking at them right now, I've got six chickens. I found a chicken coop on the side of the road the other day. I, I somehow managed to get it in the back of my car with my brother-in-law. We got it home, I went out to Ballerine Worms, and I said, hello there, I'd like six chickens, please. And uh, it's a hard question because I'd never been involved in a conversation with a man who sells chickens. So I felt out of my depth, but he was very respectful. I was with my brother-in-law. He leaned over my shoulders. He goes, g'day, mate. Yeah, we just want some quiet layers. And I said, exactly. Can't be having these chickens who cluck all over the place. And so I got six chickens and... I'm not sure. It's an interesting experience. I've got a big block. We're on 750 square meters here, and our house isn't that big. 
but the backyard as a result is is massive so these chickens are uh, they're living their life but i got home the other night and I, I don't know what happened i literally just i saw i literally saw my chicken just walking up the road and i live on a highway do you know how embarrassing it is to have to chase your own chicken up a highway and then when you catch it be scared to pick it up that's when you know i'm not at a position to be super comfortable calling myself a farmer because i don't think a farmer's that nervous about picking up a chicken i've never been great with birds I've never had that much experience with birds, but what I realized the other day, as I was sprinting after this chicken, and I was getting closer to it, I thought, well, what am I gonna do when I get there? Because the truth is, I don't wanna pick it up, but I can't have these people who are clearly watching me in the car judging me on my chicken skills. And so I got there, and I, just, I kept slowing down just before I got there. Then my brother-in-law came out, and he picked it up, and he went to pass it to me. I said, do you mind uh, taking it back to the backyard, because I haven't got gloves. He goes, honestly, this has to change. Now you have, you can't be that man. Yesterday, we went to go to Ballarat, and I was supposed to pack my chickens up in their coop, but I, I couldn't catch them. They're very fast, and they're very agile. I think anyone out there who's interested in doing speed and agility training, buy six chickens and try and get them into a coop. It can't be done by yourself. Even the bloke who sold the chickens to me was having trouble. He went to put them in a box, and one jumped out and started running around. And it was an embarrassing moment because he said, oh, I'm going to need a net. And I said, who's a net? Like, how did she get so good at catching chickens? And it was a legitimate mistake because he walked out with a giant net. And I thought, well, you need to be more clear when you say things like that because now I sound silly. I just imagine this little lady, Annette, who's fast, she's agile, and she's got strong, powerful legs who can catch chickens whichever way they run. And I've said that out loud, and now you know it. And now it's, you know, it's made it uncomfortable for everyone because you know that I'm not qualified to really be taking these chickens home, especially the fact I don't want to help you pack them in the box. The fact that I'm not going to help you pack them in the boxes is, is probably a sign that I shouldn't really be getting chickens of my own. But I guess it's just the nature of the beast, as they say. Not that chickens like being called a beast, and I would never say that to their face. It's a good feeling, though. I've got to, I didn't know there was so much that went into owning them as well. Apparently, they need a little, uh, I'm not 100% sure what it's called, but they need a little box that they can lay their eggs in. They're very fussy. For an animal that survive off insects and bugs, they're a very fussy animal. They, they only lay their eggs. Well, they lay them more willingly when the area that they're laying them on is elevated off the ground and has some soft padding, preferably fenced off from one another so they have the privacy as they lay their egg. But I think honestly, like I'm watching it at the back now, one's digging in a, in a, a, a I wish you could see it, he's digging in a giant, a giant pool of mulch, which I've never raked out, which they're doing for me, honestly. He's eating bugs, he's eating worms, and that's all he's done all day, and he needs an elevated space to lay his egg. Get a grip, is what I say. Get your priorities right. Ask for some mango and some apple, and just lay your eggs on the ground. But they're very, they're very fun. My, my boy thinks he's a champion. Now, he thinks he's a farmer. He's going to grow up believing that he's a farmer, and, and, and to that I say, good on him. Well done. The other manly thing I've, I've done, it's, it's very weird that that's such a theme of today's podcast. I wasn't coming here to speak to you about uh, all the developments that are making my life as a man, but but here we are. I went to a whiskey bar the other day. Uh, my friend, the Kavanaugh's, Kavanaugh's Whiskey and Ale out at Hillsville, he's a friend of mine. It's, it's interesting. He used to be a youth pastor. I used to work with him as a, another youth pastor at a church. Interesting that now I've uh, moved into stand-up comedy and speaking about pegging on a podcast, and he's moved into the alcohol industry. Together, we've, we've drifted a fair way from where we thought our futures was going to lay. Or going to lie. Going to lead is, is, is what, what I'm trying to say. 
but I went out there the other day and whiskey's a funny one for me because I, I don't really like the strong flavor of it. So he, he got me a whiskey sour, whiskey lemon and sour. It's essentially, it's the most colorful drink on the menu. Which is, I think that's why I used to like uh, Bacardi Breezes because anything colorful I'm still a sucker for. Just the just the blandness of alcohol, or like of beer and whiskey and things like that. Oh, that doesn't look very appealing. Then they they put a dash of I'm not sure what it was, blended up something. There was a white froth at the top, a dab of something pink. It looked wonderful. It tasted marvelous. You still got to drink a little bit of whiskey and be a part of the group, but um, you know you also could have had it with a, a group of your game mates and your female friends and, and blended right in that's what i like i i like a drink which keeps people guessing i like a drink which when someone walks into the room they look at my drink and say that could be a gay man i'm not sure what about that i really enjoy but i think just the mystery of the situation where people aren't 100 percent sure what to expect from you was good but it's nice it's good to go out and see your mates doing well he was pumping. He said, not as many people coming through as he had anticipated, but a, a lot higher spend. Very good. Very good little place out there. So if you're looking for a place to go and get a couple of drinks, Kavanaugh's Whiskey Bar and Ale House, I think it's got Google. It. That's like I should know the name. The bare minimum. Let me see if I can find it because we took quite a lot of photos the other day when we were out there. Kavanaugh's Whiskey Bar and Ale House, I'm quite sure. I'm very sorry to... To one of my good friends that I don't know the name of the business that he's, he's put his heart and soul into developing over the last 12 months. The very least I could do, especially before speaking about it to you, would be to learn that. But here we are. You see the World Economic Forum's taking place at the moment in... Uh, what's the place? Davos. I always want to call it Davis. It's Davos. Interesting. I heard a fun fact. Apparently the, the price of the average prostitute in the region skyrockets during the time that this actual conference is taking place, which which I understand because very interesting. If you've got money, you're in a secret group or a group that you have to be invited to join. You, you feel as though, I, I think that kind of personality loves the idea. You've got to let your guard down somewhere, don't you? Because a lot of people, they'll, they'll play it cool on the outside. Their life is just work, work, work. Their life is just constant improvement and trying to stay straight-laced and trying to stay like they're keeping out of trouble. And every now and then, there's a little tell that the average price of a prostitute in Davos skyrockets. And you go, well, what's the reason that the average price of a prostitute skyrockets in Davos at this time of the year? And then you say, well, what's the reason that the average price of houses in Queenscliff skyrocketed in 2021? The answer is because everybody wants them. And you realize, okay, I knew these guys were a little bit creepy, but at least at least they've got their outlet, maybe, is what you say. I'm not sure if that's supposed to be the takeaway. I just thought it was an interesting point. I thought it was an interesting ob observation that uh, it, for such a serious event and for something that so many people have a lot of concerns about, they're still human <laughs> in a sense. They're just driven by their desires. I'm not sure their wives would be happy. But that's a weird thing with, with politics and with like secret organizations and very rich people. There's there's certainly a like there's a certain amount of swagger that comes with the absurdly rich where I know prostitutes aren't just something that the absurdly rich use. I'm not sure I'm not sure what point I'm trying to make is here. What am I trying to say? When you've got that much money, that much swagger, 
I think I think you take it under your wing that, that like you're expected to do things like that a little bit. Not all of them. But put it this way, I'm just what I'm saying is I'm just not surprised. I don't know how Klaus Schwab would go though. He's looking as though he's he's aging. His speech is a little slow. I know there's a lot of drugs that might be able to help you out in that area, and I'm not sure what his marriage is like or if he's married. But you'd have to be careful with, with a bloke like Klaus Schwab because uh, as an old man, even with the medication, a lot depends on your reputation. If you go getting caught with it, I'm not saying he is or he was or he has been. I'm saying be careful. That's why he's so sp- so careful with the media that he speaks to. I saw on Real Rakshan's page today, like a little cute Japanese independent journalist came up to him and said, hey, can I ask a question? He said, oh, I'm very, very busy. And she goes, oh, please, you know, a little cute Japanese accent. And he turned back and said, oh, what media are you with? She says, I'm, I'm independent. It's funny how independent media strikes fear into so many people like that, people of power. I don't know that there's many independent journalists who get a decent conversation with any politician because the narrative can't be controlled as easily, can it? And when narrative can get a little bit loose and, you know, some honesty and some unbiased journaling or unbiased in the sense that it's an individual's opinion rather than like the the media organization's opinion. Things get a lot more interesting there, but it's uh, it's very funny. It gives me a lot of hope and excitement about the future of where we're going because, you know, if there's a little bit of hesitancy and there's some balls of independent journalists or boobs to go up and ask the hard-hitting questions and then just share those answers on whatever platforms they have, that's a, surely that's a great recipe for... Um, for honest and open communication. That's what I love about this po- this podcast. So many of you guys, like I wouldn't get a job at a radio anymore. <laughs> Surely not. But you don't need one because because there's so many of you that tune in here and it's a lot more free from, from what we know, from what we can tell. At the moment it is anyway. We'll watch this space. But anyway, that's that's enough from me today. I've, uh, I've had my say. I've spoken to you about the chickens and pegging and manliness and the World Economic Forum ever so briefly. Um, going to tell some funny jokes tonight, got to go get ready for that. So ladies and gentlemen, you go and have a wonderful weekend. Much love to you and your family, and I'll see you all here again next week.